I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome into the Important Nonsense Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Kavanaugh, and joining me today, we have Jason, that FF nerd, Dra- Draven. How's it going, Jason? Doing pretty good, man. Just ready to get some talk in on fantasy football, and I'm just really hoping sports come back soon. Aren't we all? It really seems like it's going to happen. It really does. We've got NBA coming back at the end of the month. He's apparently following shortly after, if you care about that. I know we up here in Canada tend to. you care about hockey at all there, Jason? I'm not a big hockey person, but golf. Golf started yesterday, and pretty excited about that. I've been all in, so. That was pretty fantastic. It's just, things are looking up, and it's great. We're going to have football back soon. With football coming back, we do actually have some news. For the first time since the draft, pretty much, we have something that actually happened. Alvin Cook might hold out. He's not uh, participating anymore. He's not doing the workouts. He says he's not going to report to training camp. How do you feel about that, Jason? Are you going to move him in the rankings at all? Yeah, I mean, you kind of have to. Uh, Based on the new CBA agreement, I'm a little worried about it. I'm just kind of i mean if you're going to draft him you also have to guarantee and get madison i mean that's a hard handcuff that you're going to have to get just in case i i'm i think he has a little more leverage now that Diggs is moved to buffalo but it's still one of those things that it's it's going to be interesting to see how they bring down any kind of punishment if there is one even I'm not totally sold on handcuffing Alexander Madison, uh, but we'll get to that later on. But you are right. Because of the new CBA, he has pretty much no leverage. He's made about uh, uh, $1.58 million, and he's the 42nd paid running back this year. He can't afford to take on any fines, and the NFL has made it so you can no longer remove fines from players. So that hurts him there. Then at the same point, if he doesn't show up to the first day of training camp, and the Vikings are going to have an extra year of control of his contract. So he's going to be making that uh, $1.58 million for another year. And that's not what he wants at all. He just wants to make his money and get out. And so it, he really doesn't have that much leverage in this. And so it's hard to – I've moved him down one spot in the rankings. I moved him down below Nick Chubb. And I've taken him out of the Elite four, 5. It's now an Elite 4. And that, that's not really all I've done, though. I don't really think you need to get Alexander Madison. His price tags jumped to an eighth round, and it's just tough at this point. Really, I'm not worried about Dalvin Cook, and so are you more, more worried about him or about uh, Joe Mixon, though? I mean, probably Mixon because, like, I mean, even then, the CBA is what's really getting to me. It's just the fact that you, if you hold out, you're, you kind of have to come back and just you're stuck there for another year at that same price. And it's, that's just brutal. I mean, you become a a restricted free agent, right? Isn't that the whole point of it is that, so they have you for an extra year at that same cost and you have fines to pay. Like what, what good does that do you? The only hope is that you would sign a long-term deal with the team, an expensive price tag. 
then you're that's a risk though they don't have to do that they have another full year of control of your contract so it's really puts you in a tough situation so that's some of the running back news but we do have another piece of running back news and i know you're excited about this jason Todd Gurley finally passed his physical. It's been about two months since he signed his deal, and now he is physically fit to play football. How do you feel? Man, the only person who cares about this is Steve. Let's be real here. I mean, it's Atlanta's, not true. <laughs> Atlanta's happy not to have true. him. <laughs> Absolutely, it's true. I mean, the Todd Gurley slander is real, but it's not a sexy pick at all. But you know what? In 15 games last season, he did have a career low, 223 carries. 31 receptions is the lowest since his rookie season, but he was still the RB14 in PPR. I have him at RB15 this season because he's going to get another 220 plus carries. And he's actually, honestly, he has a better offensive line with the Atlanta Falcons. They have five first round talents on that offensive line in Atlanta compared to the LA Rams, who were just dreadful last year. So a healthy Todd Gurley is at worst a volume dependent RB2. At best, he could be this year's Leonard Fournette and just a guy who just gets the rock and gets fantasy points because of it. He's not doesn't do anything special. What do you think about that? Is that a possibility at all? Of course it's a possibility. The talent's there, but man, it's just so worrisome just because of they held him back and what saved him last year in fantasy was all the touchdowns. I mean, that was a huge part of his game is he was so touchdown dependent. He what saved him was I'm pretty sure he had a four touchdown game and that was pretty much all of his yards we were just running into a touchdown and it wasn't any long runs. I will agree to disagree. I am mildly excited about Todd Gurley. He if he's past his physical, he's healthy. Is pretty exciting. But yeah, I don't know. It's not sexy. It's Leonard Fournette. Enjoy it, but it's gonna yeah, produce. And Atlanta's it. definitely going to be appreciative. I mean. Not having Freeman there, I think that Gurley's like more talented but and more diverse. He's able to do more things. That's just kind of the player he is. But again, with the injury history, I'm I'm just I'm iffy on it. Uh, well, and so really, we are at that point of the offseason, though. That that is literally all of the exciting news that we have. We don't have anything else to give you because we don't have training camp yet. And so there's really nothing else to report. And so with that, we're going to be coming at you with some redraft 101, getting you set for the fantasy football season because it's never too early to start prepping for your drafts. Yeah, you automatically need to start doing some mock drafts right now, if possible. Just kind of see where people are falling, what you can kind of mix and match. I mean, it's a huge part of any game, so it's yeah, you have to have a strategy moving in. It's a perfect time to do it, too, with uh, things on lockdown. Everyone has a little bit more free time right now. So with that, you mentioned your strategy. What's your strategy? You have to go into the draft with the strategy. What's yours, Jason? So I'm a big tiered guy. I love looking at tiers. So depending on where I am, I'm more than likely the first round. I'm probably going to try and get a running back. It's you know, with everybody moving to a committee, it seems you want to have somebody that is going to be that bell cow that is going to get all those touches. It's one of the, and if it's PPR, like we always talk about, you want somebody who's going to be a pass catcher. I mean, you need both. So you need that special talent that can both be the in between the tackles and the one who's catching passes because that's just a huge part of anyone's game. Oh, I, uh, I honestly can't believe it. I did not expect you to get the first question right. So uh, that's <laughs> impressive. Uh, credit where it's due, Jason. Because, uh, yeah, absolutely. You're right. 
the problem is you don't want to stick to a pre-chosen draft strategy in fantasy. It's a terrible idea because let's say you're a fan of zero running back. And I don't know why you would be at this point. Like you said, you do want to get those bell cow running backs early, but let's say you don't plan on drafting a running back till the sixth round. That's your strategy what happens when you have the fifth pick and Christian McCaffrey goes off. Number one, Michael Thomas, Tyreek Hill and Devonte Adams are the next three receivers on fantasy pros off the, off the board. If you don't take Saquon Barkley or Ezekiel Elliott at that point, like you're a fool. You've made a grave mistake. It's a really terrible idea to get stuck into just, I have to take this pl- this player at this slot. Like you said, tier-based drafting, you have people and you it allows you to be flexible and you don't leave value on the board that way. And the big worst thing you can do is leave value on the board in your drafts. Yeah, it's absolute. I mean, and just having an idea of like, okay, so there's going to be 10 picks. That means this player is potentially going to be gone. I need to grab him now, even if it's kind of a reach. And I know that there's a chance that he comes back. I'd much rather have that player than let them pass me by and be mad at myself when they have a great season. Or, I mean, having that control is just a huge part of it. But again, like you said, you you have to remain in a liquid state. You have to be able to kind of go with whatever's coming. And I think tiered base really allows you to do that. And so that's the thing is like, I am a big robust bust running back guy. I liked uh, my ideal draft in a perfect world. I'm coming out of the draft four rounds. I have three running backs, one receiver, and that's just perfect for me. But a bunch of running backs go off the board and I'm left with at the turn, I can have say Devonte Adams and Julio Jones. There's no running backs left. I like taking those guys over Austin Eckler every time, just because it makes way more sense based on the value that's on the board. Sorry, but I'm just going to punt running back and try and get some later. Yeah, and I mean, I can't do that because of my love for Austin Eckler. The the kid is just a beast, and I mean, Chargers fans. I hope you, I hope you know to. I chose that example for a specific. specific I reason. know, but you, I, it's just, uh, I would I would struggle, especially because man, I love Adams. I think he has a great opportunity coming up this year, but he's getting older, and. I'm I'm struggling to believe that he's going to carry all the work. I really do think that Lazard's going to be a bigger part, and they're going to lean on AJ Dillon and uh, Aaron Jones. I mean, that's... oh, not this again! <laughs> you know my love for AJ Dillon. Come on, yeah, uh, it's absolutely terrible. And like you said, it's Alan Lazard. He was an undrafted free agent. He's fine. Devin Funchess. He's fine. Dante Adams is going to dominate those targets. That's why you take him over Austin Eckler. Knew we were going to have this argument, and I'm disappointed you chose wrong. You, you got the first question right, and you instantly failed immediately after. Can't help it, man. I Like I said, you knew this was going to happen. I have an... I don't know why, but I, watching Dylan, I really just think that he overcomes Williams, and it is a huge part of the passing game. I, I guess it's not huge, but he's definitely an integral part of the passing game along with Lazard, and I think definitely Lazard is above functions. It, if, All right. if your quarterback goes, hey, I want this guy on the field, you're going to be on the field, and you're going to get a look. All right, I think that's enough uh, talking about the Packers. I think if we talk about them anymore, Steve's going to cut the entire show off, and we're not going to be able to record anymore. So yeah, we're going to move on from up that. In his mouth. We're going to move on from that. Enough about that. Enough about the tier-based drafting strategy, but we're going to dive into one specific strategy. It's a heavy debate right now. It's the late round QB. And over the past two seasons, we've seen Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes make a legit difference from the QB position. 
because of how good they've been and how much of an advantage they've given you over every other quarterback, this proves that late round QB is outdated, right? No, we went over this last year. Every year, for some reason, you're able to find all these quarterbacks that are able to have QB one weeks. And granted, I there is a huge difference to having that consistent player, but man, it's it's not enough for me to say that oh they're at their ADP. There is no way I'm going to have either of those players. That's that's the biggest deal. Like I'm not giving up a wide receiver or a running back to get a quarterback. It it doesn't make any sense to me. It's it's the same th- thing in my mind as comparing it to tight end situation. I mean, if you're going to give up a player like that, it's you have to have that guarantee. And I just I'm not willing to do it. Always that surprise. Always that surprise of I'm shocked and impressed. This is but you know what? This is a very Jason. It's a roller coaster. You get one, you get one terribly wrong, you get one right. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's late round QB is never going to be an outdated. There's so much talent in the NFL right now. The rookies, we just got Joe Burrow. We have Tua Tagovailoa, and to the point: Our Jackson and Patrick Mahomes prove that late round QB is a, the ideal strategy. It is the strategy to run with Q, uh, with your quarterbacks. Eighteen, Patrick Mahomes was the QB fifteen on Fantasy Football Calculator. He's going at the ten ten. Our Jackson QB eleven nine oh two. Won you leagues, and both were being drafted way late. Who's going to be this year's Patrick Mahomes? Who's going to be this year's Lamar Jackson? We've got guys going past round nine: Wentz, Stafford, Locke, Mayfield, Big Ben, Daniel Jones. All these guys could end up being top five QBs. Are you surprised if any of them are, Jason? No, I mean, I, I know it's way too early, and it's whatever. But I really think that Locke has that shot. I mean. The talent's oh, there. He has no. all, all the opportunities. He has uh, great offensive weapons. I could just, I could see him having a great year. So we'll see if he can take that second year step up and become the player that really just shows off. Jason, you're drinking the Kool Aid <laughs> once again. You know what? Like, this is such a roller coaster. Every time I talk to you, you just are so. Up and down with how correct you are. It drives me insane. All right, Drew Locke does have the weapons. He does have Jerry Judy. He does have Cortland Sutton. They are both proven. Well, Jerry Judy's not proven yet. Well, did you see that Twitter video? He is proven. Those are feet are disgusting. He is almost as much of a can't miss receiver as possibly CD Lamb. He's the only other one. We'll get to him later. Don't worry, Jason. He does have the support in Cassius Noah, KJ Hamler. But at the same time, we saw five games. Wasn't good in any of them. He wasn't bad in some of them. He was terrible in some. He was never good. He was just average at best. He didn't have the weapons. I mean, when your only wide receiver is being covered in Cortland Sutton, and then I mean, thankfully Noah Fant was able to break some off and make him look at least decent. But having that talent, I think, is really going to help him move along. And and I know everybody does, is so down on Josh Allen, but that's another player that I'm just way too high on, clearly, because Steve brought it up when we were talking earlier, and it was just like, man, he has the rushing floor. I think that his percentage, completion percentage goes up, and that makes a huge difference, especially when you have somebody like Stefan Diggs that has that talent to be able to kind of move you forward as a quarterback. Having that veteran wide receiver should really help him. And even this, I mean, you're looking last year, there was 40 different quarterbacks that had a top 12 week. But your overall 
point is right, but what is it with you and bad football players and just touting them nonsensically? I don't understand it. Josh Allen, Drew Locke. It, all right, anyways, just want to remind everyone that Teddy Bridgewater is currently the QB 27 going at 14-11. The world is cruel. The world did. Teddy Bridgewater is going to prove all of the doubters wrong. It is absolutely disgusting. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's another good pick. I I like Teddy. I mean, I think that's a good great fit for him. I think he's going into a system that he can succeed. And you know, having the number one running back is definitely going to help. Teddy Bridgewater for life. So moving on from that, everyone is going RB heavy this year. To your point, we're doing tier based drafting, but is now the time to zig while people are zagging? Should you take star receivers that fall early in the draft? How how what what's your ranking of the receivers? Like how are you going to take those with the top running back? I mean it because it's tier base. It's really dependent on who is available. I mean, ideally you're in the top five, so more than likely you're going to end up with a good running back. But I can I mean I can understand taking two wide receivers if you're a little later. The top three or four have gone off the board for running back and you get a chance at somebody like Michael Thomas or uh, Julio Jones, just whoever is there that you can kind of grab and be confident that just set it and forget it, not going to worry about them being off the field due to injury or anything like that, and it's just going to be able to cruise. I understand doing that, but it's so risky because of how far it puts you behind when it comes to running back. Like you said, there are those running backs, and it really does put you behind the eight ball because of position scarcity. Like you have the top running backs, but it falls off really quick, and then you're into the guys who are, yeah, we have Devin Singletary, but do you want him to be your RB one? No, that's such a risk. And so, or Le'Veon Bell. Exactly, those are the guys that you want to fill out your roster, and so that's why it, we do tier based drafting. But for my my own uh, rankings, at least, I always put the running backs in that tier at the top, and then we slowly go down receivers next to most important, and then tight ends and quarterbacks, they go way down the board. We're not really going to talk about them right now. Except we are, because we're going to move on to tight ends, funny enough. Is it a big two tight end this year, or have we expanded past that? No, I think there's more than that, but I'm also really biased this year. There, I feel like a lot of tight ends were coming on last year, and I think that this year is going to be a good breakout for a handful of them. I mean, even then, you're looking at health of players. Like, I really think that Ingram ends up... Sorry, Evan Ingram ends up as a top three tight end. I could see that happening for sure. Wow. Even then, I mean, one of the great values, I think, is... I th- uh, hold, hold, hold on. Before we get to that, before we get to that, you have, uh, as a big three, it's Evan Ingram, George Kittle, and Travis Kelsey. That's your big three, right? Yeah. You do realize that over the past two seasons, Evan Ingram has played 19 of 32 games, and he's had 65 and 63 targets, right? You know that, right? Yeah, but again, it's one of those things. You always have the players that end up having at least one full season. Even if he gets to 14 games, that's going to be even more impressive, especially with Daniel Jones taking, I think, another step up. He's going to have that year under his belt. I think they're really going to focus on him learning a system and being able to go through reads quicker. I think Eli definitely helped him with that, and I just see him improving this year. Uh, the the thing with Evan Ingram is he hasn't been healthy, and yeah, he did, did have that phenomenal phenomenal rookie season where he had 103 targets. But do you remember who he was competing with that season? After him, it was Sterling Shepard, Roger Lewis, 
Shane Vereen and Wayne Gallman, the running backs, four games of Odell. That was it. And so that was the next five on the Giants. That was all he was competing with. And so now, though, he's got Sterling Shepard once again. He's still there. He's got Golden Tate, who's a target monster. And we have everyone's favorite breakout candidate over here at Important Nonsense and Darius Slayton. Plus, as you said, Jonathan Taylor, or not Jonathan Taylor, sorry, another phenomenal running back, Saquon Barkley. He's going to get the uh, the ball in plenty of rushes and targets too. So you're saying that Evan Ingram is still going to be a tight end three despite all that? You think there's enough room for him? I mean, as much, yes, I think that is there. Oh. And so it's just one of those things that it's going to be, I mean, Ideally, in PPR, he's not going to probably be the highest candidate, but he the talent's there and the opportunity's there. I think Tate's getting older. I can see him struggling. I mean, Ingram still has that young touch, and I just... he That is enough to have him up there for me. I mean, even then, you're looking... One of my favorite breakouts this year is actually going to be Hayden Hurst. I mean, that's why I was so... I'm so fo- focused on getting him in any draft I can. And I just love it. That's why you're in such a rush to move on from Evan Ingram. You knew it was the wrong take, and then you wanted to move on to your right take. Okay. No, anyways, continue. Hayden, continue. Hayden, Hayden, love- Hayden Hurst is the right take. Continue. I mean, the opportunity again is there. I Julio for still he struggles to find the end zone. He doesn't see the end zone enough. It drives me insane. They like Ridley, who is great, but I again I think that having Hurst there to take over Hooper's spot and the rest of the targets, let's be honest, because the talent is amazing. He can block better. It's, I just think it work out great for Hayden. And again, you know, Mike, your boy, Mike Jacecki, is going to be great in Miami. I just, I think the talent there is... Don't call him my boy. It is your boy. You loved him last year. Fine. <laughs> but, He's a fine streamer. But again, I mean, that's just it. There's so many values that you can find. Uh, Philip Rivers going to the Colts makes me think that Jack Doyle is another great value that is going to slip so late that you're just going to be able to grab him and go. And You are very correct. There are just so many tight ends. And so, you know what? I am going to go back to our big three, and I think you're completely wrong. You can keep Evan Ingram. That's fine. And it's funny that you did bring up Hayden Hurst immediately after because – Mark Andrews, he's a part of that big three now. I don't think you can keep him out of that big three. Fifth in targets last year. He was behind Kelsey. He was behind Kittle. And he was behind Ertz and Waller. They all had more targets than him. But Eagles had so many weapons. They already returned to Sean Jackson and Sean Jeffrey for what it's worth. We don't really want to talk about them. If they can stay healthy. Or J.J. Arcega downside. We don't really want to talk about them. But they did add so many weapons in Rager, Hightower, Watkins have miles sanders he's an elite pass catching running back and the raiders did the exact same thing henry ruggs and edwards lynn bowden just and jason witten just so many targets to compete with what do the ravens do they added devin duvernay and james prochet but they traded away your friend hayden hurst he is marge wide receiver one that's a guy i want how do you not have him in your top three jason again i'm not saying he doesn't have that opportunity but I'm just high on DuVernay for next year. I I think that he's going to be a huge part of that offense. And so I see that taking away from Andrews. And so it's just, again, one of those deals that you have to be like, okay, great. I love the opportunity. I think that it's going to be there. They also have 
great running backs. And I think, ah, oh, and Lenore Jackson. All those players can easily find the end zone and take away a lot of opportunities from Duvernay. You don't from need to score Brown, touchdowns from... when you're getting wide receiver one targets at a tight end. I mean, oh. if you, but you have Duvernay coming in and you have Brown still. Like those those two players that are going to be taking away those targets, as well as adding another Mark Andrews back, is better. Adding another running back that is just incredible. Like I it's all right, so we'll disagree on our big three at tight end, but you did have another great point. Even though you were wrong, you are still overall right because you did make the point that there are so many deep tight ends this year. So I think if you miss out on the big three, you don't want to mess around with those guys in the middle. Like I don't, I, I'm sorry, Jason, I don't want to mess around with Hunter Henry just because he's in that he's too high of a draft pick for me. I want to go oh. with the guys that are going way late, like Noah Fant, Austin Hooper, Jonu, and T.J. Hawkinson. He is ready for a big step forward. But like I said, tight end is such a random position. All guys are going to have top five weeks. Stream the tight end position. You don't invest heavily unless you have an elite guy. Yeah, and at their price, it's it, I just you can't pay up for that. I mean, their ADPs are too high for at least Kelsey and Kittle for sure. Exactly. It's it's a frustrating world out there with a the tight end position. It is honestly, it's the worst position in football. I'd be fine if we replaced it with a wide receiver tight end position. That's just me. Anyways, enough about my problems. We're gonna move on to something that actually matters. Jason, which running backs are you handcuffing this? Well, that's just, with everybody being a running back by committee, it's impossible to not have handcuffs at this point. I'm worried about Devin Singletary because Zach Moss is coming in. Darius Geis and Adrian Peterson. I mean, if with Joe Mixon, I doubt he actually holds out. But if he does, they for some reason the Bengals just are in love with Giovanni Bernard. And man, I don't. They keep paying him and keeping him around, and I'm not sure why. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. Tony really showed what he could do last year when Zeke was out, and I think that it's going to be well. We might as well just keep switching it back and forth because they both can just pop off and run for however far i mean you know josh jacobs is another one who again had an injury last year and it has me worried um and with derrick henry being on his last year i could see them really trying to hand handle him by oh no all right so i'm gonna i'm <laughs> gonna stop you there because you're just being crazy at this point so you are really into handcuffing. I'm going to disagree with you because I don't like to handcuff running backs because when you do that, you're wasting two draft slots on one position and it only matters in a very specific situation. So let's say I wanted to handcuff Dalvin Cook, right? He's a guy you mentioned. I'm going to be spending a second round pick on Dalvin Cook. I'm also spending an eighth round pick on Alexander Madison. Those are two premium picks that I don't really want to tie up in just the Vikings backfield. Never going to play both of them at the same time, right? I mean, I don't know. You seen them both have great weeks and more weeks, but not, you're not going to play them at the same time. You don't know that. I mean, I could see Zeke and Tony Pollard being that same way. That's just it. With all of the people in the middle, it's hard not to just have that handcuff because they might be better than some of the flex options that you end up with. I mean, you don't know who's going to end up getting hurt. And so having that, that player that, that, that gets those it, touches. That's the thing is you don't want to tie, you don't want to have it because you're never going to start two guys on the same team. It's just bad practice to do that. You're hurting yourself that way. That's why you want to steal other people's handcuffs. So let's say to that point, Dalvin, we, we have, don't want Dalvin Cook. We don't have him. We go with Miles Sanders. who go, He's 
pick earlier on Fantasy Pros. We take Miles Sanders, and then we steal Alexander Madison in the eighth round. Now we might have the RB1 in both Philadelphia and in Minnesota. That's way more likely to happen than playing Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison at the same time. Do you understand? Oh, I understand. But again, it's one of those issues that you run into is, okay, Dalvin is hurt. Are you going to try and trade that player to the Dalvin Cook owner and mark it up? Or are you just going to keep him? I mean, well, I'm going to keep him. I'm going to make my team better. I'm going to make your team worse. You don't have a running back. And now I have two. You hope. I mean, again, I hope that's why I'm doing it. <laughs> At this point, this is where we both swing and miss on Mike Boone. <laughs> I mean, that was uh, a big issue, right? <laughs> what he did hit in week 17 <laughs> that one he week and then he fantasy just, at that he point just burned us he burned us so bad <laughs> but that's the point is we and see we're bad at handcuffing alexander madison was hurt that week so we couldn't even play him so we don't know who the running back's going to be when we handcuff you're just wasting so much valuable draft capital on players that you're spending it on one backfield you want to diversify that portfolio again i guess it really depends on where you're getting the player because okay how about this CEH and Damian Williams. Who do you think is actually I, going to be the starter and who's going like, do you want either of those players? Yes. Yes. I want both of those players. I want them both on the same team, but I want both of them on different places for where they're going. Because either one of them could be the RB one in Kansas city. If I take the risk on Clyde Edwards Hilaire earlier, I don't want to double down on that risk by taking Damian Williams. I want someone else who might be good at elsewhere. With Damian Williams, I'm taking him late so I get his upside. It's just right, was... because everybody is switching to the RBBC, and I just it makes it even more difficult. That's why you, you're you pretty much have to with your first pick go with a running back. And I hate saying that because of course that means that all the good running backs are going to be gone in the first two rounds, pretty much. And exactly, and that's why we don't want to handcuff. We want to steal other people's handcuffs later in the draft. That's the bottom line because I said so, Jason. Nah, man, you need to work the freaking waiver wire for sure. You need to be on that waiver wire as much as possible. But Jason, this is a drafting show, not a I, waiver wire show. I know, but that's you don't win. All at right, the draft. just remember that you don't win at the draft. Absolutely, do not. You do have to play the waiver wire all season long. Back to drafting because this is a draft show. We are currently running an IN Dynasty startup, and we're having an auction draft. How do you feel about the auction draft, Jason? I don't know what I'm doing most of the time. It's driving me insane, but I feel like I got a couple players that I'm really excited for. The whole tech, I don't know. I clearly made everybody upset because I didn't read the constitution that we had. Big mistake. You had multiple weeks to read it, and you just... (laughs) didn't so anyways yeah we we are upset with you for that but continue so you actually feel i mean it's it's fun because you're definitely in it you're having to do research on players you're hope you're trying to decide okay is this person worth one year two years three years four years whatever what the price should be how much you're willing to spend and it's just insane how difficult it is but how intense it is like Everybody is in there every day, and we're all talking smack. And it, it, it's a it's an absolute blast. And just to, so everyone knows that's listening, just to give a brief summary on it: ten teams, twenty five man rosters, max of four year contracts, average two years per player. And so that way, you have to think of the long term. You have to think of the immediately. 
So you are really thinking long-term because you paid through the nose for C.D. Lamb. You paid more for C.D. Lamb than I did for Juju Smith-Schuster. And one of them's proven in the NFL and one of them isn't. What, what was the logic with that? I just, again, it's something to do with the footwork. I've seen the videos of him and Jerry Judy just do, putting in the work. And I think they're just so much better route runners than Cooper and Gallup that I think Lamb is going to really show up and. You kind of sold me on it because of the fact that, again, you said that he's going to play in the slot, and I agree with that. I think that he's going to be an excellent option there, and it's going to tear teams up. Yes, you are You are correct. CeeDee Lamb, an absolutely amazing prospect. Him playing in the slot, he's going to be even better than Randall Cobb, who was our top 45 wide receiver last year. It's going to be a souped-up version of him. It's not going to be long before he becomes a wide receiver one, but... Juju Smith-Schuster's already done it. He's already been a wide receiver one. We've seen it happen in the slot. We've already seen it happen. So, yeah, and he's but now he's going, be, he's going to be the wide receiver one getting that coverage. I mean, that's the worst part of it. You kind of saw him step down. The slot, Granted, though, it, it was against... Mr. Peterson doesn't fall you into the slot. Any of elite corners don't fall you into the slot. That's why Juju Smith-Schuster and CeeDee Lamb are so great fantasy in the future. But Juju Smith-Schuster is just... Ah, Get enough of Juju right now. Sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> no, I get it. I mean, I love the I love Ben this year. Like, if he can stay healthy, that team is going to be a tough passing team with Johnson and Washington and Juju. Like he's going to have and even more, Claypool. Like it's it's going to be amazing. I am so pumped to see how that team ends up working. Wheels are completely up in Pittsburgh. It is really exciting. Ben looks as healthy as he's ever been. He may have blocked me on Twitter, so I can't see if he's still throwing right now, but I am very excited about him. Another player you're excited on because you did pay up for him in this Dynasty League. If you paid less than half a percent of our cap for Hayden Hurst than I did for Gronk and Austin Hooper combined. What's up with that? You really love Hayden Hurst, eh? Yeah, I brought it up earlier. The talent is there. And, I mean, people were, how much Kittle went for, and it just blew, and Kelsey just blew me away that I couldn't bring myself to do that. But with the younger prospect of Hurst having the talent, having the opportunity on a team that really loves to just throw the ball, I mean, with the weapons around him, I think he has a great opportunity, and it, it's hard to look past that. All right, well, you know what? You keep your Hayden Hurst, and I'll keep my Gronk and Austin Hooper because odds are one of them is going to be a top six tight end a lot of weeks. I just have to figure out which one it's going to be while yeah. that's happening. Well, it's a one you year. have Gronk for at least two or three weeks until they get used to the system, and then... You know what? He took a year <laughs> off. He used that CBD oil. We don't know what else he was using. He just got his body right. So you know what? I think this might be the return of Gronk. So I have him on a one-year rental. Jay Sternberger gets to develop in Green Bay, another uh, play I'm really excited about. <laughs> yeah, and Hooper with the other three tight ends in Cleveland is going to work out for you. Because yeah, Jarvis Landry's got a broken hip. He's not going to be playing until late October. Yes, he's going to eat all those short targets. That's exactly why I want Austin Hooper. I have two tight ends that I rotate, and it's going to be great. This is what you want. You're going to be stuck with Austin Hooper, Austin Hooper's old role. and You got the worst version of him. Sorry, Jason. Oh, no. Hayden's definitely the better. It's, it's a souped-up version of Hooper for sure. It's going to be amazing. I'm pumped for it. So, anyways, I'm really excited. I got some elite, elite run, young running backs. Hilaire, I got Miles Sanders, DeAndre Swift. That you paid Michael, so much for. 
but I, they're so talented and they're all on four-year deals. So you know what? I get to ride them for, they're going to be a deal soon enough. Just watch. I'm a great talent evaluator. I know these are the guys that are going to be, they're going to be stars in the league and they're going to be a deal soon enough. Just you wait, Jason. Just you wait. Comment. You're, you're just, you're fine with that. You're ready to wait. Yeah. I mean, until I see it, I don't believe it. I mean, that's just, I think the opportunity right. is there for CEH, but again, I am struggling to understand if he's going to be a committee or if he's going to be the backup, what his role is actually going to be. You know, you know, you know, I'm going to stop you because I was happy to have <laughs> bullied you into agreeing with me. And now if I let you talk too much, you're going to stop agreeing with me. And that's not something we want right here at Nonsense Show. It's going to pass on that. Anyways, we're going to move on to our next section and it's called Either Or. And Jason, so you wrote this. I'm going to be asking the questions anyways, because I've decided that I'm going to be asking the questions. Who would you rather have at their current average draft position? Rather have Robert Woods at the 409 or Juju Smith-Schuster at the 402? And it, I, I know I hate to say it, but Woods, it's the talent. Sir. I said how much I love Ben, but Woods is just so cemented in that role. He has all the opportunity and you saw how much Cup ended up falling off towards the end of the year, how they started using it tight ends more. I think Woods just has that area that he is just so stuck in that he's going to have a great year. And so I'm big on it. Oh, no, no. No, Jason. I'm and taking Juju easily. <laughs> Absolutely. He's the wide receiver one in Pittsburgh. You know where, where Robert Woods is? He's a wide receiver two in L.A. Like you said, you're pointing to the, oh, Cooper Cup barely played. They played 12 person year personnel at the end of the year. He wasn't that good. Yeah, okay. He's coming off a torn ACL. He started off really hot, and then he slowed down. You know who else did that? Will Fuller, Carson Wentz. We've seen that how many times? A year removed from ACL surgery. Cooper Cup's going to be in a much better position, and he's going to be the wide receiver one in L.A. again because he's better than Robert Woods. That's why you take the wide receiver one in Pittsburgh over the wide receiver two in L.A. That's what you want to believe. You're more willing to believe it. It's not the truth, but it's fine. I understand. I can see your point. I already gave an extensive part of me saying how much I love Pittsburgh offense coming up this year, with the exception of the running back. I'm still iffy on that whole situation. Ugh. But I like Woods. I don't really think that they are going to get away from him. His talent has just been so consistent, and I love that in a player. I love how consistent he is. I, I will give you that. I will absolutely give you that. And so I, I don't hate Robert Woods. I don't want to get you to get that wrong. I do quite love Robert Woods. Not on your level. He's my wide receiver 21. I have Juju at wide receiver 12 and Cooper Cup at wide receiver. That's where I have them ranked. Moving on to our next either or, we have Tyler Lockett and Terry McLaurin. They're both currently going at the 5'11". Which one are you going with? The proven Lockett or the breakout session, Terry, Terry McLaurin? I'm just so tempted to take McLaurin here just because of the fact that you know that he's going to be the one that they're looking at. He's going to get all the targets. I'm nervous for Lockett because DK kind of showed to be that big body guy that is going to take away and was able to actually stand up to any kind of coverage that he received. He was a, a big part of them moving through the year. Just his progression as a player is impressive, and just his size makes him a beast and makes me worried for Lockett's upside. 
It's beyond impressive. DK Metcalf is an absolute physical specimen. I can't believe you did it, Jason. You have swung me back over. Pick the right the right choice here because Terry McLaurin, there is absolutely no target competition there. Antonio Gold, Gandy Golden is bad. Hey. Harmon is hey, much hey, better. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> I said it. Steven <laughs> no. Sims Jr., unathletic slot. And then who do they have at tight end? They have Logan Thomas, Jeremy Sprinkle, and add son of Randy Moss. But that, that's nothing. There's no competition there. Darius Geis isn't healthy. Going to be wheels up on Terry McLaurin. He's going to have a, over 160 targets easily. That's not even a question. And Dwayne Haskins already loves him. We've already seen that. And so, to your point, uh, Tyler Lockett, he's going to be competing with DK Metcalf because he is so impressive. We saw him throughout the year just get better and better throughout the season. I have Terry, Terry McLaurin at wide receiver 16, Lockett at wide receiver 22. Low volume passing game, and he's the wide receiver too. Whereas Terry McLaurin, or Washington is going to be bad. They're not a good football team, so they're going to be throwing a lot and throwing a lot to Terry McLaurin. I well, you completely agree. I uh, all right. Well, with the exception of Go- Golden, yeah, I I I think the Golden is a talent, and I really do think that McLaurin is going to get those targets. I mean, it's hard to not see the and oh, wrong right, being I, there as a coach is just so attempting to me, and I think that. Thaddeus Moss will end up being the tight end at eventually. I think it's going to take a little bit because he has to learn exactly eventually. But it wheels up on McLaurin. We completely agree on that. Yeah, he's a he's going to have a great year because Golden's going to be just enough of an issue, and whatever tight end they whether Sprinkle or Moss ends up taking some away from that as well. And of course, the Rex have just all right. So let's see if we continue to agree. I'm very curious to what you think on this. Brandon Cooks at 704 or Michael Cal- Gallup just after him at the 709. Who do you have and why? And this is Steve's fault. All right. This is all Steve's fault. I oh, cannot believe Steve it. When he can't defend himself. All right. I see how it is. <laughs> yes. I'm telling, I'm telling Jason. <laughs> I'm sure you will. And it's fine. He's going to hear it. But Cooks is the guy that I paid up for because I think that he is actually going to get all the stinking targets from Watson. And I just. It blows me away. I think that he's going to be the wide receiver one there. I th- and they just throw the ball so much that it's just going to be a step up. I think that without Hopkins there, Cooks kind of takes over the role, but he has enough of the player. Well, theoretically, we'll see if Fuller can stay healthy or QT or even David Johnson. Like All those options are going to help pull away from him, but he just always seems to make quarterbacks better. I mean, I'm thinking back to Brady when he really had a great year was with Brandon Cooks on the team. And I can see that happening for Watson this year. I like that you're using the argument that you want Deshaun Watson's wide receiver one, and that's why you want Brandon Cooks. But you were refusing to listen to that same argument about Mark Andrews being Lamar Jackson's wide receiver one. I see how He's not a wide receiver. We pick and choose here on the Important Nonsense podcast. I see how it is. You know what? tough for me and for me i do have brandon cooks ranked higher at wide receiver 31 when it comes down to it i'm probably drafting michael gallup though he's my wide receiver 33 instead Cooks is, is the wide receiver one in houston i'm not fighting you on that i'm projecting him to be better but his concussion history terrifies me i'm so uncomfortable with having a player that's had four concussions in less than two calendar years i'm projecting him to be better but i don't want to invest in him fantasy football he's just a player that scares me too much comes with too much risk i'm probably going to take michael gallup because he 
right now, you know what? He might be at bat at worst, the wide receiver three in Dallas. He also might be the wide receiver two, or he might be the wide receiver one. Better than Amari Cooper on a fantasy or a points per game basis. It's really tough to decide who's going to be the guy in Dallas. And to that point, I, I'm in. I'm in on all three of them. Have anything to dis- uh, say about that, Jason? I mean, I understand that completely. Just because of the fact that, again, I at this point you've theoretically have filled out your two running backs and your three starters, and you're looking at those players that could potentially just blow up. And of the two, I think Cooks has that because he is for sure. Well, not for sure. He should be the wide receiver one on the Texans. That's the reason he's so valuable to me and why I want to take that as the one of the two. I mean, the fact that he has the ability to potentially really just catapult and be the wide receiver one for a team. I love Gallup, but man, Cooper has oddly can't decide yeah, when that, he wants to play when he doesn't want to play and then Lamb, yeah i understand understand it, completely it's, it's just i i'm just afraid i'm afraid i'm not af- i'm i am not afraid to admit that i am afraid of brandon cooks it scares me a little bit too much so this is going to be our final question of the night jason who do you have cd lamb or henry rugs we have lamb at the 911 we have rugs at the 910 which one are you taking you brought it up man it's going to be lamb it's it's too much talent there, and I'm, they just pass so much more. I love Carr. I love his efficiency, and I really think that goes to Renfro and Waller, and I think that he Ruggs will be more of a field stretcher and, and maybe intermediate guy, but he's not going to be that short area target like Renfro and Waller will be, or I guess even Moreau, depending on, or whatever other tight end they've another team that has too many that they just throw out to annoy you in fantasy. Uh, I am. You know what? I am happy that the people get to hear this because you were correct on your final question of the night. So I'm, I'm sure before we end the show, you will have another wrong take. That's bound to happen at some point in here. But you talk too much and you always have a wrong take, but you're right. C.D. Lamb and dynasty, C.D. Lamb and redraft, C.D. Lamb for life. Looking at just this year alone, Lamb is a better version of Randall Cobb. He was a wide receiver 44 in Dallas last year. Yes, he's a better version of Tyrell Williams. He was the wide receiver 47. But there's a big difference between the two. Henry Ruggs is going to be the wide receiver one in Oakland. He's going to see cornerbacks ones. I have CeeDee Lamb in the slot. He's going to be seeing cornerback three. That's a massive different difference in what you're going to be able to accomplish. So this year alone, there's going to be a lot of difference. And in the long term, CeeDee Lamb is just a better prospect. He is an elite wide receiver prospect. He and Jerry Judy are. I also like that conference more. I mean, with Rose, he's going oh. up against the Chiefs, the Chargers. Okay, okay. The now now we're bringing I mean... conferences into <laughs> our rankings. And, and is that how we decide? Just <laughs> just narrative based, Jason. That's just what we do now. No, but again, you know, Lamb is going to not have as many difficult weeks. He doesn't have to go up against the Chargers twice a year. You know, it's not something that he'll have to do. Oh, okay. Okay. So any team facing the Chargers is bound for failure. Is that is that what you're saying? The defense is going to be even better this year. It's oh. just one of those things that, and they're going to keep the game lower, lower scoring. So hoping that Ruggs is going to be able to break one off in. You're, okay, you're so for, breaking for news, everyone: Jackson. don't draft Henry Ruggs because he plays the Chargers twice in a 16-game schedule. 
All right, avoid Henry Ruggs. And the Chiefs, you know, Super Bowl champs, they're clearly, you know, going they're, to be the they're, they're, They have a lot of big plays. Uh, how, yeah, but they have I a good defense that somehow came together last year to actually win. It was an okay defense. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, Jason. It's so it's frustrating with you. You know what? You you make the right point, and then you still it's for the wrong reason. You like C.D. Lamb. That's a correct take, but you don't like Henry Ruggs for weird and wrong reasons. I just don't understand it. I just don't understand. You saw how Ty- Tyrell fell off last year. It's going to be the same thing with Ruggs. That's that's why it's. And again, uh, Carr doesn't really chuck it like that. It's not something that he does. He's going to be the safe guy. He's going to be like Kirk Cousins. That's a great comp for me. Okay, so now, here's, here's the actual analysis from Jason Draven. Thank you. We're finally into it. I'm willing to listen to this. This is actual good good knowledge here. Continue, Jason. Is the fact that he is going to have, he's going to look for, go through his reads. He's going to see what's the safest option, and he's going to throw to the closer target more than likely because it's a guaranteed completion. I mean, he's one of the leaders in completion rate. That's just how... He plays. And of course, they have Josh Jacobs there who should be able to offset any defenses and kind of keep them on their toes. But again, if you're going to be covering somebody, he's not going to look for Rooks. He's going to look for Waller and Renfro first. It's just how it's going to be. All right. So it only took about 25 minutes, but we finally got to Jason's correct information about Henry Rooks, not just stuff up off the top of his head so thank you hey, for that i i do appreciate welcome. it you did give us some valuable knowledge there i can't help myself i can't stop talking it's how my life works okay all right so i'm gonna open the floor to you to not stop talking do you have any parting words for the people can you let them know where they can find you yeah of course i'm at that ff nerd everywhere instagram twitter fantasy life app for sure you guys need to have that downloaded because it is a great tool and they're already doing startups I've gone through a couple mocks with a handful of people from the app, and it's just it's great experience and a lot of knowledge there. So now is the perfect time for that. Sorry to cut you off, but it is the absolute perfect time to start drafting because you're going to be way ahead of the curve. Even if it's not for anything, you're just going to get so much knowledge learning about what these guys are doing, studying up on them. Yeah, and even their ADPs. I really think that's a huge part of this is that you're able to see, okay, this person's going here, so if I want them and I'm at this position, I have to take them around earlier or just things that you can kind of start to see as the year progresses as well. Just mental gymnastics. You know, it keeps the mind sharp and it keeps you going throughout the offseason. And it has been a long offseason. Like we said, we barely had any news to cover earlier, so hopefully next time we do have some news for you and hopefully we are able to bring you some more important content that is important nonsense so for jason draven i am jack cavanaugh you can find me at javanaugh 87 and follow us along over at importantnonsense.com follow us on twitter at nonsense ff and forget to keep up the nonsense music for this podcast is provided by lee rosevere I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!